0: Uh, good afternoon. I don't <clears throat> it's not like I haven't been up here before, but for some reason, I feel like my heart's a little racing. I don't know why, but I'll be okay. Um, you ever had a boss that you love to work for or... Or do you have one now or had one that you love to work for or just love being around or not mind going to work because your relationship you have with him? Well, I had one. I had several working at Center Energy, but there's one particular one I was real fond of. Number one, he would allow me to share the gospel with him, which he would fight me every day with anyway. Number two he uh, would always take me out to lunch. I mean, wherever, wherever you want to go, whatever you want it. Um, I remember one time somewhere in Paraneland or Alvin, he wanted me to eat this hamburger that was, uh, if you could eat it within 30 minutes, it was free. I think it cost $20, $25. It was about this big, about four patties stacked. I mean, you get sick just looking at it. Well, he was a boss like that uh, whatever you wanted, but he would let me share the gospel with him, and I used to love to go to go to work because I would be around him. The name of this message is "Loving Your Church," Philippians one twenty one. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for this day and. Uh, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share what you've put on my heart about loving our church. And Lord, we see examples of Paul, we see examples of Jesus Christ, how they loved the church and died for it. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be with me and guard the doors of my lips. May everything that I say, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Just give me the words you would have me to say. Um, give me the, the boldness and the, the strength and the courage to bring your message. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> On Thursday nights, we have a men's group where we, we get together, uh, Bob and I and, and Wayne and uh, others and we chit-chat about how we can grow this church and what we need to do, uh, what type of outreaches we can do. We, we come up with one idea, and I think the pastor's kind of leaning on it also, but a, uh, a gymnasium. Now, why a gymnasium? There's a lot of things you can do with a gymnasium. Not just basketball. You can have volleyballs. You can have outings. You can have outreaches in there. I know we've I've overseen a basketball ministry before. Now I can honestly say I can point one person who trusted Jesus, but I can honestly say it affected a lot of people. In the streets or at the store, I would see a guy say, hey, aren't you the one who used to have that basketball ministry down at Brin? Now, whether he trusted Jesus Christ or not, I don't know. But it is an outreach. And they might not attend this church, but you're reaching out to people. And you're sharing the gospel with them. Like Brother Bob and I were just sharing, cast your bread over the waters. See what you catch. But loving your church, in church, the Greek, uh, the Greek word is ekklesia, which is a called out assembly of believers in Christ, where Christ himself, by the Holy Spirit, is there when two or three are in the midst gathered together in his name. He's in that midst, Matthew eighteen twenty. So. If the church is a called out assembly, and he died for the church, which is us, and we've been bought with a price, then we are no longer our own because we've died to self and we've gained. Now we live for Christ, and we're laborers for Christ, which makes Christ my employer, and I'm the employee. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord, Romans 14.8. Now, whether we get out in that field and work for him or not, if we trust him, we belong to him. Now, you have the church, which is this building here that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.18. First of all, we come together in the church. So we come together. We, the church, gather with each other. We, the people, we, the church, hear the word of God preached in here. We hear praying, singing songs, and we keep his ordinance in this building, which is called the church. I'm more concerned on Ecclesia, we, the church. And what do we do to love our church not the building but us how can we love each other better and to really 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 love your church you have to first love Jesus Christ I mean being willing to die for him as you would for your wife or your kids because Jesus love was so driven by the sacrifices he made for the welfare of others and that great expression is greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for a friend John 15:13 you see he suffered the wrath of God to purchase our destiny and glory and that's the kind of love Jesus models for us. Now we're going to just look at the identity of the church ecclesia. It's no other institution on this planet. It is the pillow and the ground of truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. We are to uphold, we are to live by, we are to live out the scriptures. Thy word is truth, John 17.17. Let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3, 4. Meaning not everything, say brother Dave, say, I'm going to commit to it, it's a lie. But if it doesn't line up with God's word, then it's not truth. Number two, we, the church, is for edifying each other, building up each other, for the perfecting of the saints, being completely furnished for the work of the ministry, for edifying of the body, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, God saved us and equipped us for the work of the ministry, for the work of service, not to be a long-ranger Christian or personality or a feeble Christian, because what that does, that just suffers the whole body that we're trying to build up, we're trying to edify. We all should have that attitude of a work ministry that we work for our employer, which is God, and, and we want to do a good job. See, the church grows and mature when all of us, all the parts work together in harmony and unity. Since we are no long, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, Ephesians 2.19. We are the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. We are called to show love to all people, but especially the love for the people of God. We, the church, is his body, some tall, some short. Some dark, some light, some have hair, some are bald, some are highly intellectual, like Eric, and then some are like me, just common. We're all different looking members, but all a part of his field and his building to labor together for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. Ephesians 4.16. There's a tree that grows in California. It's called the redwood tree. And it grows in a massive size. And it's ancient in age, years and years. But the secret to the longevity of that tree is the stability of the root itself, where they intertwine with each other, where it's hard to knock down. Now, all the fires they have in California, I I don't know what it does to that. But to uproot it, it's hard. And meaning that's what we should have as a body. It's ecclesia, we loving each other, being intertwined with each other, loving each other, being on the same page, because God has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all, Ephesians 1, and 23. See, God has appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullest, and the one who fills all things in every way. We, the church, operates under Christ's authority. And we're trying to let the world see how life is under God's authority. We can't so much let them see it just in here, because most of the time it's just us, us in here. Unless you have visitors, and, and that's what the, the, the building of the church is for, to outreach people. But most of the time, if it's just us, we should all know how to live under God's authority. The next one is, we the church is God's flock and heritage. 1 Peter five, two says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not with filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lord over God's heritage, but being examples of the flock. We are the flock that he purchased. We are to provide spiritual direction, guidance to others. And then we the church is being built by Jesus Christ. He's the architect. He's the framer, He's the foundation. He's the power source of every believer. It is his field and his buildings. God and his son has been working together ever since the fall of man to reconcile man back to God. And we have the privilege of laboring together with God. For we are laborers together with God. We are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3.9 There's no other institution on earth like the local church. It's the Lord's unique possession. We didn't have to go out and fill out an application or go earn a Ph.D. or be recommended by somebody or or get a scholarship. We have not been, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit, John 15, 16. What greater privilege could that be other than working for God, him being your employer and serving him? Being employed by God, sometimes that pay, it's not real good. I mean, it's like minimum wage sometimes. Or like the people in overseas that's working for pennies. But the retirement plan is unmatched and it's worth it all. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained. Ephesians 2.10. You see, my boss that I used to work for, he couldn't fulfill what God could. But he showed me love. And in turn, God used me to show him about the love of Christ. And then finally, will the church, the church is its bride. Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife, Revelation 21.9. So it is our responsibility to introduce Christ to the world and being concerned of the needs of fellow members and other believers in the love of our church. Like I said, I would, I would, I would love to see a gym here. We we have to understand there's a lot of elderly people in here in our congregation. I mean, you look at ten more years; a lot of us might not even be here. So, how do we keep this church going if we can't attract people here? And I, I stated why. I I think of uh, a gym. Sunday schools can have sleepovers. Generally, they bring their friends. Generally, they might come back to church again. But all in all, you're planting a seed in people's lives. So if they're not just running here for whatever reason... How can we lure them in? Something attractive. And maybe come in. Still the core. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're just reaching them different ways. When you you see basketball gym filled with 40 or more players in there. They all don't know the Lord. But they're being introduced to the Lord. That's 40 we don't have to go to. That's coming to us. Mind you, and I might not become a member, but we're still feeding his sheep. I want to look at how Paul looked at the church. Paul loved his love for the church was so that he prayed, he wept, he labored, he planted, he visited, he instructed, he rebuked, he exhorted, he encouraged, and literally bled for the church. Paul's life was consumed with the church, because serving God meant serving God's body. I can easily consume my life with things. Football games, basketball games, not so much baseball now, because the Houston National's won, and I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, so we've got to find a way to beat them. So baseball, I wouldn't get consumed with. But we could find ourselves consumed with a, lot, with a lot of things. Paul was the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, the love of the church. That's what she, we should also have, the love of our church, meaning us, loving each other, reaching out for each other. What motivated Paul's love for the church was, again, his love for the Lord. From his understanding and the experience that Christ showed to him, of course his experience was a lot different than ours he actually witnessed but before that he was persecuting the churches, Galatians 1:13 and then Jesus said to him, "Paul, why are you persecute me in Acts 9:4 And then in Acts 9:5, Paul says, "Who are thou?" And Jesus said, "I'm Jesus who you persecuted." He went from a former prosecutor becoming a church greatest promoter he became like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind philippians 2:2 2, 2. and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of god acts 9:20 see paul loved the love that paul that forgave paul of his sins, of giving him eternal life, placed that joyful motivation on his heart. And it should place that on ours too. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That's what 2 Corinthians 5:14-15, that's what motivated Paul. and It should motivate motivate us also because Jesus did it for us for us also. So Paul was no longer controlled by his old desires. Pastor Darren just preached last week on putting on a new clothes. And so easily with those new clothes We can take them off and put the old ones back on just for a moment just to see how it was. You know, something triggers you and say, I remember that and what I did and what. And you think about it and you stew on it. Next thing you know, you have those old clothes back on. And maybe not just for a season. It could go on and on and on. So as a saved man, Paul constrained himself. He controlled himself by the love of Christ, which we should do. And I'm not saying it's easy. But when God convicts you of it, then we take heed. Even with the conviction of it, there's a point where he's just going to stop convicting you where your heart and everything is just seared. There's no need telling Stan not to do this. He's going to do it anyway. We don't want to get to that point. Our hearts should be dominated by the love of Christ and therefore committed to the church of Christ. We should love our church because Christ loved it and died for it. Then Paul cares for the needs of the church. Again, he loved the church because it was made up of God's people. He was not in love with an idol. He was not in love with history or location or constitution and bylaws or a certain man's legacy or tradition. He was in love with Jesus who humbled himself, washing the disciples' feet. John 13, 15. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that we through his poverty might be rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Paul loved his Lord that meant he loved his Lord's people. And then Paul would visit and then revisit. And for the, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read this, this, this whole verse of 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20. But even though Paul had to leave in person, but in heart, he was still there. And he explained to him, That he tried to come back, but he was hindered by Satan in those four verses. But Paul said, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And I think Paul, a lot of his crowns, uh, as he was speaking of, Paul's greatest joy was leading people to Christ. I mean, he had that perspective that we should have of the kingdom perspective, perspective, eternal perspective. I think when, when Paul enters into heaven, that's maybe like a welcoming committee. That's saying, well done, my faithful servant. You invested in her life. You led this person to Christ. You discipled and helped build this person up. There should be great joy in heaven, knowing that the work you put in for Christ. And that's for all of us. Just think of the joy we have for knowing what we did, how we witnessed, how we led. And back again to the people in the gym. I don't know if they got saved or not. But if we get to heaven, might find out, oh, that's the person I was witnessing to. Oh, that's what we help build up. For God is not unrighteous for, I mean, to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints. Hebrews 16. So God is not going to forget the things we've done, even though that pay might be low. And you can probably make some more money somewhere else. But this work is eternal, is eternal work. And then Paul's cares was from afar. He says, for God is my record. How greatly I long after you, all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 8 and 10. We think of Bob Thomas how we can still show love to him. Even though he's not here, he's a farm. We can still pray for him. We can still help meet his needs. The same as a missionary. We're not with him face to face. We pray for him. We try to help meet their needs. But not only were they on Paul's mind, but in his prayers, he prayed for the Uh, Thessalonians, in uh, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, night and day, exceedingly he prayed for them. He prayed for the Romans. He prayed for the Colossians. He prayed for the cease not to give thanks to the Ephesians. And he prayed for the Philippians. Paul prayed without ceasing. His intensity, his intercession for them reflects the deep love he had for him, and that will reflect us when we pray for others that we that we love, and they're not here. That's showing the love we have for one for another. And Paul also instructed that same church. Pastor Hudson was talking about this morning, uh, the uh, Corinthians church. He instructed them in the importance of the Lord's Supper, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the importance of marriage. Then Paul encouraged them also. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. But whether I came and see you, come and see you, or abs- or be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1:27. Then he also encouraged them on thinking on these things that are true, that are honest, that are pure, that are just, that are lovely that have a good report, that of admirable praises, Philippians 4.8. And in closing, there are six things I think we need to do. If we really love our employer, which is Jesus Christ, if we really love him, then we're going to love the church. If, if that hasn't taken place, and the, the church being us, and you don't have the love for Jesus Christ, greater man has no love than this, that laid on his life for a friend, then we're not gonna love the church. We, the church, will feed his flock, we, the church, will get into that labor field. Go out there and find the ones like the, the Great Supper. Go out there and find the ones that are uh, the neglects, the homeless, uh, the ones that don't look good, don't smell good. Go out there and try to reach them also. That's out there in the labor field. It's not just the ones that come into the suits and ties and come into this building on the ones we want to cater to. It's the ones out there that's that low-paying when you're getting out there in the field and you're sweating and you're trying to reach people. Or you're doing things here at the church and trying to, to, to uh, win people. Sometimes the pay is not it's not glamorous. But we will visit one another. We will encourage one another. We will instruct one another in love. And we will keep one another and then help pick each other up. Loving your church. We should love our employer because he first loved us. He is the Alpha and Omega. No man can serve two masters. I've tried that. It didn't work out too well. I thought it worked out for a while. But eventually, the conviction or you fall on your head makes you realize you can only serve that one master Or either you're going to hate one or love the other. Matthew 6, 24. Then we should die for our employer. Like he died for us. We should die to self daily and live for him. Because he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He had picked me and you up for the foundation of the world based on we're going to accept that application it's there but some don't take that application or some don't take that step into that door to get employed but we, we are called to take a stand for the gospel in love and in truth regardless of repercussions knowing that some people will support us Some will oppose us, but our goal is, whether life or death, is to make Christ look good and glorify his name. Let your light so shine before men that it glorifies God, Matthew 5, 16. And our employer take notes in everything we do. He doesn't forget it when it comes to bonus time. We should be willing to follow our employer to be fishers of people, to be a servant, to carry each other's burden, Galatians 6.2. Be ye followers of me, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Doing all things without murmuring and disputing, Philippians 2.14. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, John 10.27. We should be willing to accept that low wages, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, Philippians 2.16. So no matter if we think the work is not paying off, or if we think we're doing more than the next member, James said, consider it pure joy, 12.4. Paul said, rejoice in suffering, Romans 5.13. Because what we want is to grow this church. We want to do outreach. We want to draw people in, have activities. But we've got to be like that red, redwood tree. We all have to be intertwined together, working on the same page, having the same goal of reaching people. And I don't think we'll have a problem with we should be willing to accept our 401 plan, our inheritance, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, Ephesians one eleven. You see, we've been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment for our possession, our airship. You see, my boss that I love to work for, he couldn't seal my position at center point. He couldn't keep me from being fired, or getting fired. He couldn't seal my 401. And he was sometimes a little rough on the edges. But underneath was a searching heart. And he passed away about two years ago. And he never professed Jesus Christ to me. He, and he was a history buff. and he, he would come up with things that did in Rome, and I had no answer for it. but it, it helped me that I had to go back and study to come back with an answer for him. But at his funeral, I embraced his daughter. And I had given him books, too. I think one book, Pastor Hudson had written it in another book. And he would read them and come back and talk about it. And his daughter said uh, that he had trusted Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's it's work you put in and you don't think nothing's going to come out of it. And you might not ever know. But I went to his funeral, and I had shared this with with Bob. Them. It was just such a joy to know how God works, and you don't know, you have no idea the outcome. But all you do is work in that field, and that was. And I think that's some of the joy that Paul is talking about rejoicing. Is to see this hard work you did in this earth where we are and how it pays off for God's glory. Um, There's no better employer or institution to work for than the one who died for the church. No greater love than what our employer did for us. And that is what Paul's life was about. For me to live is Christ. And Again, it's just a privilege to be able to serve Jesus living for him during this short time we have here on earth as our loving response is overwhelming love for us. So our our task is loving our church, loving each other, being one mind, trying to grow, whatever it, it takes it takes all of us putting in a hand. And Here's the question. You ever had a boss that you love to work for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for for, uh, the many things that you you do for us and uh, help us not to complain or as we do your work, give us the strength Uh, Give us the heart to want to do your work, Lord. Whether it's you doing it all and no one else is doing it, then you just continue. We know that you're not unrighteous to, to give us favor. We thank you for all the things you give us. We ask you to help grow this church, help us to grow closer to each other, help us to love each other, and help us to Give you all the glory for everything that we do. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.